Blog Talk Radio. Warning. You have entered the realm of the gods. So give us your mind and your full attention. So you say you deal with esoteric information? I never heard of such. Well, you're in for a treat. Blog Talk, Blog Talk, this is the Blog Talk. I lean hell bay dropping jewels every day. Blog Talk, Blog Talk, this is the Blog Talk. Metaphysical, we deal with the spiritual. Blog Talk, Blog Talk, this is the Blog Talk. I lean hell bay dropping jewels every day. Blog Talk, Blog Talk, this is the Blog Talk. Metaphysical, we deal with the spiritual. So you claim to be a god? Damn right I'm a god. The maker, the owner, cream of the planet Earth, father of civilization, god of the Get your notepad, it's more than an hour full. Watch your jaw, the crew was watching talk. Indigenous to the land, wherever we stand. First world order, we bring it at home in the first quarter. Invisible lines don't apply, we cross borders. Silly rabbit, knowledge for God. No matter where you resign, Lodge, Temple of Mars. So don't fret or proceed with hesitation. Just tune in to Blog Talk to get the information. Peace. Hey, how are you, Washington East? That means may your spirit and my spirit spring forth with the jaguar. Isla Isla Fafulan Dakunda. That means how's how's your spirit today, family? All right, this is Brother Fahim Takamsha Tunika Reverend L. Bay. I'll be your host for tonight, filling in for Dr. Eileen for tonight. And our topic will be tonight about what is the difference between black Native American Indian and the Aborigine indigenous Moors? What is the difference? Okay, I'm here to try to explain to you tonight about what is the difference and the things that we should say and what we shouldn't say, how we should identify ourselves and how we shouldn't identify ourselves. But, you know, as usual, it's always up to the individual to how they want to identify themselves, you know. Uh, I can't force someone to say they are this or they are that, you know. So uh, everybody has their own way of um, having their own identity and identifying themselves. Um, I notice uh, a lot of the... Uh, tribal nation people across the Union States and probably in the Johnny Islands as well uh, always talk about their uh, black Native American Indians. Uh, some of them say, to my uh, utter surprise, uh, the African Americans. And a lot of them uh, teach this thing about uh, us coming over on slave ships and have we had mingled with the Native Americans or the so-called Indians uh, long before Christopher Columbus had came to these shores. And, but that is true. We were here before, long before Christopher Columbus came to these shores, 
but we were always here long before the so-called Indian came over here too as well as they were coming uh, across the Bering Straits through Alaska and they met and they saw we were already here. That's why most of them, for the most part, can't tell you who built the pyramids or the bounds. You have some of them that will lie through their teeth and tell you they built the mounds, but they didn't. That's why we are the ancient ones. So, um, I hear a lot of them say, I have one uh, brother saying uh, he was uh, with the uh, Gula Geechee tribe saying that he was a black Native American Indian. Although we we don't, uh, we in the Washita, well, the Washita boys I deal with, and myself, we don't use the term black nor Native nor Indian. American we use, but not but black Native Indian we don't use because uh, you see Indian also, back to, back to the word indigo, which means also means dark people or people of God. So, you know, but we don't use those terms because now they have been federalized. And they're also uh, another social artificial construct, especially the word black, because black was a brand uh, that was branded upon our people to disconnect us from the word boar, because the word boar uh, means those are one who is attached to the soil of the land and the waters of the oceans and seas, lakes and ponds and rivers of the earth. That is a moor. Moor does not mean black, as I had explained to you in previous uh, blog talk show lectures. Okay? Um, when you call yourself black, you must, you, 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 you were saying that you're a Negro also. You know, Negro and black are synonymous, you know. Let, let, let's, let's take a dive into the Black Law Dictionary, 4th edition, and I'm, uh, uh, I would you know, tell you what I'm talking about. It says here, Negro. The word Negro means a black man, one descended from the African race, and does not commonly include a mulatto. Since the case Felix versus State, case 18, Alabama 720. But the laws of the different states are not uniform in this respect. Some, including in the description Negro, one who has one-eighth or so more of African blood. The term Negro means necessarily person of color. But not every person of color is Negro. A person of color. Let's go to color in the Black Law Dictionary. Let's, let's deal with this dictionary for a minute here. Okay. One of color, okay? It says here, color, an appearance, semblance, or simulacrum as distinguished from that which is real. Okay, what it says, when you speak of color, that you're not real. Not a real person. 
Negro, black, color, all that is dealing with the color, color of the law. Let me go further with this. A prima facie or apparent right, an apparent right, hence a, dis, a dis, deceptive appearance, a plausible assumed exterior, concealing a lack of reality. The distinguished or pretext. I don't need to go any further. You know, and uh, I'm surprised a lot of these uh, chiefs and whatever, and chiefs whatever of these certain tribes uh, uh, still calling themselves black. Still calling themselves uh, something that's not that's not real, you know. Them that falls on the colorable law. Them note, I mean, they, uh, I had one uh, chief of, uh, I'm not going to even uh, mention the tribe, but he said that the Washita Nation are not even indigenous to this land, you know, uh, more. Uh, they said that uh, a lot of these sisters and brothers calling themselves Moors, uh, they're not even indigenous to this land. They're talking about the Sundry Moors. The Sundry Moors were no more than just a society of Moors like the Freemasons. You know, I mean, oh, man, what a dumb statement, you know, that he made. Obviously, he hadn't done his homework when they're dealing with Moorish history. He doesn't know that uh, the Yamasee Nation as well as the Washita uh, Washtenaw Choctaw nations, uh, the Cheyenne, uh, Chickasaw, Nanako, Lenape, all these nations. I'm just I'm just laying off a few, because there are 500 tribes here in the North America, North America, Central America, South and South America, and the adjoining islands. You know, uh, but the thing is, uh, when he makes statements like that. That obviously he has showed he hasn't done his homework like he thought he had done. Uh, we are, and I'm not trying to brag us up, you know, but the Washita, the Namundia Moor Nation Empire is the oldest uh, indigenous group of people on earth. There's archaeological ev- evidence that says so, that proves that, that it is. Uh, the United Nations prove, uh, also declare. Uh, the Washita is the oldest tribal nation empire in the world. That cannot be refuted. It's not arguable. I mean, I mean whoever who listening tonight, they can argue with this as, as much as they want to, but they will lose the argument. Again, I, I, our United Nations number is 215-93. That is our number. And we are also recognized by 144 nations across the world. You have some people saying that we are nothing but a family institution. That's a lie also. You know, uh, people have said that. They are lying in the sack of they know what. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. Because you know, no nation, only a nation can only nations can recognize another nation. You have to be a sovereign nation to be recognized by another sovereign nation, not by a family, not by an individual. 
to be a nation. Uh, but I think we had to uh, have to uh, clear that up last week on the last block talk station uh, that me and Eileen gave last Wednesday. You know, uh, though uh, um, <clears throat> we are deeply rooted into the into the North America continent, we are the descendants from the Omex. Uh, some may say the Sea people. We are descended from them. Known to be, we've been here for over a hundred thousand years, way before any so-called Native American Indian set foot on these shores. Of course, they can argue that if they want to. Let them argue. But we of the United Washington D to the Monday, I have the facts. Archaeological facts is archival evidence. It cannot be, like I said again, I say it again, it cannot be refuted. Okay. Um, you uh, you have a lot of people. How, and like I say, how are we not indigenous to this land? The Empress Veriachi Terra. Tunica El Bay had 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 that that said settled this once and for all. We have fifty eight thousand acres of land from the Gulf of Mexico all the way through the middle of the United States of America, all the way through Canada. That is our land, that is our territory. And we had won that land. The only way we can do that, we had to be indigenous to this land. Land, because believe me, if the European thought that we, if the land wasn't ours, they thought we weren't indigenous or aboriginal to this uh, aboriginal to this land. We wouldn't be able to do that. Believe me, we wouldn't have. Those of you that call, those of you in, and a lot of these, I'm not going to name the tribes off. I'm just going to say those of you in these uh, indigenous nation tribes always calling yourselves black, you ought to know better than that. I mean, the thing, what, what, what you, what really, uh, the term black is really Middle English. You know, but it also goes further back than that. goes back to the word black or blacker. Uh, black, old high German, many mean pale, bleach, or white. Couldn't have been calling themselves black. To call yourself black, and I'm talking to a lot of these chief and 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 and, and chiefs in these in these tribal nations. To call yourself black will put you in dishonor, because you're in dishonor because you have dishonored your ancient foremothers and forefathers. You dishonored our ancestors because they weren't calling themselves uh, calling themselves black. And as I said before, black was branded on us by a lot of our slave masters. In the Atlantic slave trade, uh, I hear a lot of you talk about the about the Atlantic slave trade. Well, the, they, they started... Uh, 
kidnapping our people from here first and transporting them to Europe and the African continent. Not the other way around. This is the clear understanding you must have when you start teaching your people in each of your tribes. And still, what is suppressed so much today is, and it's still suppressed, the first slaves that came over to these American shores were Europeans, or so-called white people. From the British, or what they call the United Kingdom. Mainly from Ireland and Wales. Thousands of them. They were the first slaves that were here, not the so-called black people. Do your research. Read the book. Oh, they were white. They were they were white and they were slaves by Michael A. Hoffman. Do your research. Do you read the book called, uh, there's a small pamphlet book, it's a good book, called Barbarian Cruelty, an eyewitness account of white slavery under the Moors. Did you hear what I said? An eyewitness account of white slavery under the Moors. Yes, we also enslaved our own people, but we also enslaved European people as well. Because Christianity and European people were synonymous at that time. I'm going to read some things from the First World Order. It says here, the word America is how the the Greeks call Meru, who pronounce it Amerukos from the Southern American Indians, Tupac, Amaru. These are the ancient. Now I'm gonna stop right here. These are the ancient names of America before it became America. The word America bears no relevance whatsoever to Americos, Americus Vespucius. This word is also also borrowed by the Arabic language and is called Amir meaning ruler. I have a uh, brother here and a good friend of mine named Amir. Meaning ruler, chief, governor, prince, etc. The European latest corruption of the word Meru reads Mero, M-E-R-O-E. If Colin Columbus or Christopher Colon, whatever, discovered America by why then does Vespucius enjoy the credit and honor of having it named after him? The name America is derived from the name Amaruka, or parentheses Al Morocco, or Al and not from the Italian name Amerigo, Americus Vespucius. America was part of the dominions of the Moroccan Empire, Washita. Ottoman, Songhai Empire, etc. 
See United States Code Title I mean see United States Code Title twenty two, Chapter two, Section one forty one. I repeat, see United States Code Title twenty two, Chapter two, Section one forty one. For further information on that, what I just told you. And his name wasn't Americo Vespucius. His name was Alberto Vespucius. Alberto Vespucius, not Amerigo. See how they trumped up lies and what they call his story, history. Says here, Act, August 1st, 1956, repealed sections 141 to 143, effective upon the date which the president determined to be appropriate for the relinquishment of jurisdiction of the United States in Morocco. Jurisdiction of the United States in Morocco was relinquished to memorandum of President Eisenhower, dated September 15, 1956. Notice was given to Morocco on August, August, October 6, 1956, and all pending cases were disposed of by 1960. Who are they talking about? Okay, let me move along here. It says, See Bulletin of the State Department, Volume 35, 909, page 844, Section 141, RS Sections 4083, 
In the fourth century, a Chinese missionary under the Shang Dynasty named Zhu Xing Hoshan came to America in search of his people, who were the East or Yi (parentheses Black Chinese). When the Chinese arrived, they encountered the Olmecs. I'll read this again. I'll read this again. In the fourth century, a Chinese missionary under the Shang Dynasty named Xu Xin came to America in search of his people, who were the East Yi people, parentheses meaning Black Chinese. When the Chinese arrived, they encountered the Olmecs, Xi Xi Shi Xi, or Xi people, the Olmecs. Like I told you earlier, we are descended from those Olmecs. And if you sing a lot of the Olmecs uh, uh, stone heads down in the Yucatan Peninsula and uh, uh, Central America, you know what I'm talking about. And there's no question who the Olmecs were. Okay? When the Chinese arrived, the Olmecs, okay, who had already been living on the land, the Chinese considered the black Olmecs as the descendants of the black Chinese, Yi people. Ho Shan people settled and mixed in with the Olmecs and produced the Aboriginal. Aboriginal meaning ab means the very first. Original means original people, but ab meaning the very first. Ab original, which means the very first original people. I know some people have business in the Well, I just call myself original. I don't have an issue with that. I don't have an issue with that at all whatsoever. But I'm here to tell you right now, tonight, that Aboriginal meaning the very first original people. That's why I call myself Aboriginal or Aborigine. Aborigine is the word where Aboriginal comes from. I'm an Aborigine Indigenous American. Or I may say I'm an Aborigine Indigenous Autonomous American. Autonomous meaning those who spring forth from the soil of the earth. Okay, the old man gave the lower kingdom to these aborigines. The, Aborig- the aborigines called the land Mukshan, which is a combination of Omecan, Ashuric, Aramaic word, Mu, which means one, and the Chinese word Shan, named after Hushan. Did you know that there is a province in China today called Shan? And that is the site of the only Chinese pyramids. Ain't that something? That ought to tell you something right there. But this is... um. Going back, let's, uh, this is what I want to read. Especially, I'm, 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 I'm really talking to the 
chief and chiefs and other people of these other tribes that call themselves black or black Native American Indians. But want to want to call uh, people who call themselves Moors or people who are the, are the Washita uh, not indigenous to this land. And we were the very we were the Aboriginal indigenous people of this land before any other tribe. It supersedes any tribe here in the Americas and Africa, New Zealand and Australia. Believe it or not. You can take it or you can let it alone. I don't care what you do with it. I'm here to speak the truth as I know it. Which is a believe which I believe is on my side. An account of the word more or more, M-A-U-R. The term more has the ancient root, but these uh, people are always talking about more is a modern term, okay? Well, I'm going to read it to you tonight to tell you that's a lie. The term more has the ancient, has the ancient, has the ancient root of M-R, founded in the old Moriash, Tamaran, Maru, M-A-R-U, and Amaruka, another ancient name for America. The old Moorish language of what has come to be known as Egyptian, Hebrew, and America languages, respectively. The scholastic the, the word Kemet has come to mean black land or black people. Land is not the ancient word for Egypt. The ancient hieroglyphic clearly shows that the proper term is Tamuri. T-A-M-O-O-R-I. And synonyms T-M-R or Tamari. The ancient land of Egypt, Patamari, was also Mary also means more. Wallace Burroughs in the Egyptian Hieroglyphic Dictionary, 1050, Tamor or Tamori or Tamira. The Moors or the land of the Moor is the hidden and true nationality of the real ancient Egyptians. The word Kemet is geographically named where the praiseworthy blackbirds settled. Muhammad, one who is praiseworthy, are those who are raised up out of the of and in the darkness or blackness, ignorance. That's what it means. The root word M-M-R, an abbreviation for Mr. and Master, comes from the old Moorish language or letters M-O-M-L, or Mem-Ra, manifestation of the enlightenment 
of or the sperm of God, Minorah of God. Manifested is another name for ASR, and the ASR is the mysterious, unpronounceable name of the Lord who Moses talked with and not Jehovah or Yahweh or Yahshua, as some people may pronounce it, Osiris, I am, or the Torah, by Union of American Hebrew Congregation in 1981. When translated, properly means bones and mouth. Positive messenger, I and to form into I.E., the messengers of God who became the word and spoke the foundation of the word into existence. Okay. This is the people that said that, uh, you know, they don't even know that uh, the, the United Washington, neither the Monday or more, is an empire nation. See, you, uh, in order, in order uh, for you to be recognized as a nation, you must be a sovereign nation. Some people say that uh, the tribes are uh, under the jurisdiction of the United States. Some, For some instances, that may be true. But for the Washita, that's not true. And for the Yamasee, that's not true neither. For the Benishmael, that's not true. A, a a a a a tribe or a tribal nation cannot make treaties. They don't have treaties if they're under another jurisdiction. They cannot be, and at the same time, being recognized as a sovereign nation by 144 nations all over the world then that tribal nation is not under the United States jurisdiction. We have our, even our own constitution, and I'm not talking about the constitution of the United States of America or for America. Here it is. I'm going to read it off to you. The constitution of the Empire of Washington, D. De Demandia, we, the original people of this land, sometimes called Aborigines and Indigenous pre-colons recognized uh, colonies recognize that we are the Choctaw, Washita, the ancient ones and remnants. Choctaw, I'm up now I'm gonna stop right here. Choctaw means dark chocolate complexion people. Some may, some people may say Big Arbor, but it means a dark chocolate complexion people or dark chocolate colored people. Dark chocolate, chocolate uh, complexion people, we the ancient ones, meaning Washita. Thereof, who now come together to bind ourselves together to love, to govern ourselves under divine love, under the great constitution of love for God and all of His creation, above and below, 
respectively, internationally. Here's the declaration. We declare ourselves in our land to be a sovereign nation, imperial under the divine rights from our creator who set us here to rule ourselves from the Algami, Algini Mountains to the Rocky Mountains and from Canada to the Gulf of Mexico, including East West Florida's, uh, Florida, being created free and born, free and separate from all other nations. We herein declare ourselves independent on our own native land, the Choctaw Brown and the Tar Colored Washita, the Dibamundia, the, 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 the meaning mound building nations, and the Afro and the Afmurican call America. Does that sound like a nation under somebody's jurisdiction? Let me move along here. It says here, Article 1 of our Constitution, we herein and hereby form our government to govern ourselves in the form of government to rule our people, imperial, as it was, it shall be from now to eternity with our God to protect us with his wind, his air, his water, and his fire by his spirit as he chooses. Section 1, respecting a common moral decorum, or decorum. Now, no profanity, no lying, no stealing, no murdering, no hating, no conviction, uh, no uh, covetousness, no peace-breaking, no vow, no adultery, no des- desecrating, holy, no desecrating, hold up, hold up. No desecrating holy places, and so desecrating places of government. Section 2, recognizing that there is no separate between God and our government, as above, as so below, and so it is. Article 2, love shall prevail over all of the law, and shall be our law, imperial. Section 1, our loving empire has an empress whose bloodline is that bloodline, that imperial bloodline, whether married or single, from on high to earth below as a creative mother over her household and low and love. For all by the love and by her creator and by her creator she shall rule with her people by her side. Section two the people are imperial like are imperial likewise with dignity and respect for the creation and all of the heavens above and the earth below, including the water, air, and natural forces, and for our imperial family and families as extended now and in the future. Article three we recognize all nations as being holy created by God unless they have chemically created themselves and this would be an abomination to us and before. Two, our Creator, yet we forgive and love and respect all. Section 1, 
speaks to give sin against against man, beasts, fowls of the air, and fishes in the waters, and insects, and creeping things, but not sin against God and his spiritual forces. Section 2, our land is natural and common to for all in like manner. Section 3, our love covers a multitude of faults, even sin after one repents that one is accepted wholeheartedly. Article 4, there shall be a holy adept counsel to the imperial seat for wisdom, ensured by law, decrees, and judgment, and, and it shall be ordered, and the same shall be ordained, same as the Templar Council for the Empire and Section 1. They shall bring and finding they shall bring any findings. They shall bring any findings to the imperial throne for judgment and imperial decree. And this is done in love. Section two. All all shall recognize the imperial council and their empire judge, who shall give the verdict in all deliberations. Such deliberations cannot be removed except by the empress herself. All appeals must first come before the imperial judge, then before the holy adept council, before appearing before the imperial throne, after which there shall be no further appeal. Section 4. Each province shall have a sub-council provincial. The sub-council, the sub-council shall rule over local matters, same as above, so below, wherein citizens shall appear before a provincial shaman. Now 3. Call Sheikh, who has the Sharif power in the lower provinces and brings all matters to the imperial adept council to go before such judgment as per law of love. Article 5, monetary matters and pecuniary affairs of the empire. And it shall have a treasury, a bank, a secretary, as many under officials as there may be needed. And they shall operate strictly under the imperial eye of the throne and the holy adept council, recognizing a supreme, almighty, and holy God as supreme in honesty, trust, and true love and obedience to God and the empire and the imperial bloodline and the imperial family and the families as it is and will be by an extension of families of this nation. His is metaphorical and not gender. So it shows that we are run by a matriarchal system. But I always mention the empress. And the only the only decision to be made by her, by the empress. This is the show and prove that we are a nation of people. That we are indigenous to this land. We are the oldest indigenous people and tribal nation to this land.
particular grand, this particular uh, chief of this particular tribe, you know who I'm talking about. About the statement he made when he said we wasn't indigenous to this land. Bulls not indigenous to this land. Well, first thing you ought to need to kind of find out, need to understand what do more means. You're always talking about that you are attached to this land. Well, that is a more. And I repeat myself again. A more is what? A more is one who is attached to the soil of the land and the waters and the rivers, the lakes and ponds and seas and ocean of the earth. That is a more. Land means more, and more means land. They are both synonymous terms. So next time when you say Moors are not indigenous to this land, think about what you're actually saying before you make that statement. Here we have here we have the Empire Washita Dita the Mandia, the laws in the Washita. The indigenous people of the Washita Dita the Mandia obeyed the absolute laws of God. We never needed to make laws. That is the work of our creator. We live by the principle taught to all the nations and forests by international natural law. Stop right here, like you hear a lot of us say, we don't deal with Islam as this practice over there in Saudi Arabia. As far as my concern, they don't practice Islam hardly at all. Some of you know what I'm talking about, too. Our religion is mainly, it's not a religion at all, it's what we call Islamism, or that old time religion is dealing with the nature of the Asiatic woman and man and child Islamism is a way of life for the Asiatic woman man and child it's who we are Islamism is who we are and what we do As I heard one person say, you do as you are. Some people say you are as you do, but I'm saying you do as you are. Okay, let me move along here. It says here, one, love. Love God our creator with all our hearts and souls, not placing anything before God, not beside, but under the creator. Love our neighbors, ourselves. Never do unto others what we would and have, what we not have, have others to do to, unto us. Two, truth. Always deal in truth. Truth is the manifestation of God's will. Do not deceive others. Do not take what does not belong to you and lie. 
do as mis do do not mislead others astray by your lies. Three, peace. Peace is the product of the self love and universal harmony. All loving things are related. Unity between man and the environment in which God has placed as is required with knowledge of self. Self respect begins begets self love. Self love begets inner peace. Inner peace brings into being the virtues for universal harmony. Freedom. Freedom is earned with responsibility, awareness of one's duties and purpose leads to the knowledge needed for self, radiant self autonomy. Freedom can be given or taken away because you fail to to obey. That is that is number four. Now number five is justice. The four above are the fifth justice. Love, truth, peace, freedom, and justice. Her Highness goes unto state. Many accounts confuse us as descendants of the Mongolian and Siberians who invaded from the Bering Strait. We this again. Excuse me. Her Highness go on to state, many accounts confuse us as descendants of the Mongolian and Siberians who invaded from across the Bering Strait. Yet our old traditions tell us we have been in we have been in Washita Dida the Monday for at least twenty five thousand years and we fought long and bitter wars against those from the east. The oldest Americans are said Native Americans going back to thirteen thousand BC BC. We were I say so called black the Folsom people who live in Arizona. Some scholars have ever stated have even stated that the Folsom date is far back as seventy thousand years North America. When the pale man arrived in massive numbers, the wars were already two thousand years old. The European, the North, the European, the Mongolian, and the Siberian, later known as the Red Man, joined forces to attempt to complete destruction and obliteration of the Black and Brown Washita and Tunica people. The Great War goes on to this day. We been here, declared the Empress. We have been here, declared the Empress, explaining that the original Native American were mostly of a dark complexion. She said the light-skinned Indians of Hollywood fame were minority tribes in the Northwest that were mixed with the blood of Chinese invaders. They made up less than a third of the total population of Indians on this land. White folks don't owe black people in America don't owe black people in, in America forty acres and a mule. They need to get up off our our land uh, or start paying us for some rent and taxes. No, we get 
uh, or 58 or between 58 and 63 are supposed to have uh, 68,000 uh, acres of this land. But the empress had turned down the 68,000 because of some kind of, I can't remember what the deal was, but it wasn't good. That was the reason why she turned it down. But we own at least about 58,000 acres of land of, of, of these Americas in the North America. So they can get off that BS uh, too. Some of some 40 acres and a mule. Certain questions must be asked, and quick and and equally important. Each question must be answered. Did Abraham Lincoln, Patient Proclamation, free the prisoners of war, misnomer slaves, in 1863? No. Then what freed the the slaves? The so-called 13th Amendment. However, it was never ratified in every state. Yet it contains three empowering and liberation provisions of emancipating thirty-seven of emancipating thirty-seven Congress. A revision of the military code forbidden soldiers to return slaves to slave owners. I'm gonna read this again. The one, a uh, number one, a revision of military of the military code forbidding soldiers to return slaves to their slave owners. Number two, the Confiscation, the Confiscation Act, which freed the slaves of allow rebels to de jure and free all slaves de facto who escaped or came into contact with the Union Army. And three, an act that freed all slaves and their families who enlisted in the Union Army. Did the U.S. Finish paying for the Louisiana Purchase? No, they did not. This means that the land was supposed to go back to the hands of the Washita? Yes. Thus making the Empress the heir, the heir to the 1979 Spanish land grant, Mesa Rouge, Her Highness, the Empress Riachi, Tierra Tunica, Washita, Gustin L. Bay and or the Washington hold the title to the area west of the Allegheny Appalachian Mountains. And, and, sir, you said that we are not indigenous to this land? We are not indigenous? Do your homework. Do your homework, brother. They say the proof is in the pudding. You were here before you and your tribe. You are a branch off from from the Washita. we have here. Our nation cannot make laws in another nation. Let me read this again. I made a mistake. One nation cannot make laws in another nation. One nation cannot make law on another nation's land. One nation cannot steal 
and sale another nation's ancestral artifacts and property. Then flood their sacred places on indigenous people's lands that have always belonged to their ancient ones, which is protected by treaty signed brought by the uh see this word small by the protectorator. It is further proclaimed that all indigenous sacred sites and grounds shall be returned to the descendants of the ancient inhabitants to ensure preservation. Be it further proclaimed that I now take all indigenous nations, tribes, communities, and villages with our lands, rivers, and wildlife under the protection of the Empress Washita de Damandia. And it is further proclaimed that the thir- that the thirteen United States that the United States and the United States of America must make fair and just compensation for the decision for the before the disposition of all people and oh can we disperse that much an unauthorized occupation of our lands connecting with the first part of the of the paid eighty trillion dollars or eighty quadrillion dollars non counterfeit US dollars re- each year for one hundred and ninety four years. This bring the third and the third and final notice of the outstanding debt of the United States Corporation the United States and the United States of America, based on this claim, filed that there have yet to be settled or relieved. Be it further proclaimed that this proclamation be sent to the government of the of the thirteen United States, the United States and the United States of America, as well as the government of the member states of the United States and to the non-governmental organizations concerned. Therefore, it is now proclaimed in legal session concerned this fourth day of the second month of the year 1997 of this common era. These were signed by uh, certain delegates and by the Washita. These are the witness signatures. The United States government stole the remainder of the territory, which covers over one-fourth, three-fourths of the total land area of America. This U.S. corporation has carefully hidden this secret to protect its own power structure. So they owe us big time. They owe us big time. Only a sovereign nation can do that. Only a sovereign nation can do that. Not a family. And not a people that is not indigenous to this land.
indigenous people are always saying that Moors are not indigenous to this Moors are not indigenous to this land. You don't even know what a Moor is. You don't even know uh, uh, people like you that that are always uh, saying all this ignorant, making all these ignorant statements. You know, they don't even know what the hell you be talking about. Let's move it along here. Okay, it says here in the book called Othello's Children of the West by Jose Pimiata Bay. This brother had did a lot of research in what he uh, had in this book, what he had written in this book. He researched a lot of this information. This is recorded. This is on file. A lot of these are uncongressional records. And what I read, when I get all that information, what I get, just got to read you, and the First World Order is also in the, uh, in the congressional records. You need to look that up, brother. Let me move along here. It says here, again, we saw the extension of the Moorish domain outside of the Maghreb, northwest, north and northwest Africa. Lux speaks of Guyana. Central Africa, or Guinea, Central Africa, and East Africa, and Moorish dominions. Other scholarly evidence places Moorish dominion beyond the other assumed limits of Northwest Africa. The British Orientalist Delacy, or Leary, provides a revelant and re- revising etymology of the word O'Leary assists that the term Africa came from Ephrakia, which was an ancient Greek name given to the province which the land next to Egypt. That province of Ephrakia now encompasses the modern states of Libya, Tunis, and the eastern part of Algeria, up to the meridian of Bogo, Olyria, Libya, and that the western land or Maghreb. Maghreb was divided into two districts. Listen very carefully. Listen very carefully. Central Maghreb extended from the borders of Ephrakia, known today as Africa, across the greater part of Algeria and the eastern third of Morocco. And further, Maghreb which spread beyond Maghreb, which spread beyond the Atlantic coast. With regard to Olivia's reference to beyond the Atlantic coast, we can only assume that he means the West African coast. However, he doesn't specifically address how far beyond. Hmm. Hmm. Let me move along here. We regard O'Leary reference to beyond. Okay, oh, I'm sorry. A a look at many medieval European representations of Moors in art and literature reveals that Moors different in physical appearance about as much as African Americans Americans today. 
He used the word African-American in this book. Why, I don't know. But okay. But when one sees the artistic readings of Moore, in such books as Haraldry, Adiz, a Charles A. Fox Davies, and James A. Furbanks, uh, Furbanks, it's evident that the standard for a Moore was most often very dark skin and woolly hair. Shakespeare's famed tragedy Othello was attended to reflect a distinctly African man, not a Caucasian Arab, as so many European academians would later try to claim. The villainous logo or Lego of the literary creation of Shakespeare's Elizabethan era, mine says cruelly to Othello's father-in-law, even now, now, very now, an old black ram is tapping, couple, uh, your white, hmm. this is the act of the scene, ever Rodrigo, a Venetian, refers to Othello as the Moor, as thick lips in the same scene. Africans or blacks have been the most cheated in Western societies about their dark complexion and full lips. Significantly, every English history and legend also makes makes ref, makes reference to to noble Moors who carry the description of so called Negroes. Sir Clement Mendes and Morisco King Artemis are two such examples referring to those persons located specific, specifically to Morocco, proper as Moors. The English traveler John Gray, John Gray Jackson provides an early 19th century perspective of the Moorish identity. Jackson says they are the descendants of those who were driven out of Spain. They inhabited the, the cities of Morocco, Fez, Marquinas, Magnus and all of the coast towns as far as southward as the province of Haha. The language is a corrupt Arabic intermixed with Spanish. It says here in this paragraph here the famed 16th century African chronicler Hassan bin Muhammad al-Wazun al-Azati Leo Africanus was a Moor born in Granada in 1488. He eventually converted to Catholicism after being kidnapped by Catholics, pirates, and brought to Italy. He described himself as the Granadian come from no country, from no city, no tribe. I am the son of the road of my country. It is the caravan, my life, the most unexpected of voyages. Hmm. Here we go here. The English historian John Puri was the first responsible for translating Zayat's work from Latin into English. From poetry's translation of Zayat, we learned... We learned that Moor was a general term which was Africans which Africans used, 
and accepted one when presenting themselves to Europeans. Al-Zayati, a Moor himself, reports that African peoples of the Western Sudan were properly called Moors. Moors, M-A-U-R-E-S, and Moros, M-O-R-O-S. This included those who, who were lighter in Hui, white or tawny, and these who was darker, or what they come in parentheses as Negroes or blackie. The use of the term more is in same early European dictionaries. So the term more goes a long way. A long way. And these are what the people need to understand the meaning of the word more. It does not mean black. It does not come from the Greek language. Didn't even have a language for a long time until we uh, created a language for them. We created a language for the Greek people because they were uh, because the <clears throat> because they, as elsewhere in Europe, were a backward people. They didn't have a language. And if you look further, further enough, if you find out that the ancient Greeks were Moors anyway, on in his book. <clears throat> Has some interesting stuff in this book here. Okay. <clears throat> okay. In South America, the German and historian collector Alexander Von Rubenau describes a group of heads produced by mixed tech artists from the the, the Ozaca region of Mexico as Moorish looking. The heads are from the uh, post classic 900 to 1500 common era. He also refers to a superb Moorish looking clay sculpture of Veracruz from 300 to 900 common era or some people may say Christian era there is also a classic era Veracruz sculpture described by Wurdenau well, as fine characterization of an old man with hat the hat looks identical to the Moroccan style fez this is 300 to 900 common era. Okay. Von Rudenau also depicts a series of female terracotta heads from Guerrero, Mexico, which he says reflects the traditional headdress worn 
by Moroccan Safari Brides. Leo Weiner compared the clothes of Peruvian women to that of Moorish women. See, we were all over the Almorocks, or all over the Americas, as one would say today. Peru, we're talking Veracruz, we're talking all about all over the Americas, from North, Central, South America, and the adjoining islands, which they sometimes call Americanas. Okay. The Smithsonian published the text, The Native Americans, in 1991, actually describes the head coverings of the Osage and the Arakara of the Southeast Plains as turbans. Let me say it again. The Smithsonian published text, The Native Americans, in 1991, actually describes the head coverings of the Osage and the Arakara of the Southeast Plains as turbans. Young Seminoles men are also shown wearing that text, wearing what the text called turbans, which resemble Maghreb faces, the five-pointed star which has historically been a primary motive of the Moors. is also found to be a prominent symbol among Plains Indians like the Osage and Crow. You didn't hear me. I'm going to read this over again. But those that didn't hear this right. Did I hear this right? Yeah, you heard it right. Let me read this over again. I'm going to read it all over again. The Smithsonian published the text, the Native Americans 1991 issue, actually described the head coverings of the Osage and Elkara Indians of the Southeast Plains as turbans. Young Silver men are also shown wearing that the tech, what the text calls turbans, which resemble Maghreb faces, the five-pointed star, which has historically been a primary motive of the Moors, is also found to be a permanent symbol among Plains Indians like the Osage and Crow. The Navajo, the largest of the North American tribes, possess a symbolic shape called the Naja, a crescent moon. This shape often found in jewelry, described in the Smithsonian text as spread, spreading from Muslim North Africa to Spain, then to Mexico, then to the Navajo tribal nation. The, the inference is that the Spaniards brought it, although the symbol is recognized as having originated with the Andalusian Moors, but it seems rather odd, but the crucifix centered Catholic Spanish would use and introduce a symbol which represented the spiritual motive of their nemesis. It was brought from Spain, I think, and more like I, I have been brought by Spain's Moriscos. Moriscos meaning the Moors that were in Spain at the time, the ones that converted to Catholicism and to Christianity, Catholicism Christianity, who they call Moriscos instead of Moors. Or you could say they were sellouts. Okay. 
but nevertheless, they were still more about that symbols over here into the Americas called Moriscos. Okay. In the presence of so much evidence suggesting that parallels between between the continents and peoples of America, Asia, and Africa, hold up, hold up. read this over again. And the press and the presence. Of the presence of so much evidence suggesting that parallels in between the continents and peoples of America, Asia, and Africa is that it is logically to consider this as indicative in the ancient and pre Columbian context. Consequently, one might need to recognize or reconsider the etymological significance of the word Indian. The same Joe E. Rogers or J. A. Rogers informs us that the Indy was an ancient Latin word for black people in general. The antiquity of the name Indian as a Eurocentric reference for very dark complexion people is thereby illustrated. Consequently it would actually be semantically correct for any European school in Latin to refer to Africans or so-called Negroid people as Indians. But we, however, will say that the term Indian has been federalized. So we we will still refrain from using that term. Okay? Okay, it says here, a Francis Moore referred to a biographical biographical sketches of loyalists of the American Revolution described as a native of America, of New York. Here, native seems to imply that he was an American Indian. His New York home even suggests a connection with the with the Six Nations Iroquois League. There, the last spelling of this last of his last name of Moore strongly suggests that either his phenotype or nationality indicated Moorish ancestral ties. The same may have also been true of Hosea Moore. His name was spelled H O S E A, and his last name was spelled M, capital M. O-O-R of Stillwater in Albany County, New York. Hosea is recorded as a loyalist who joined the Royal Army in 1777. Significantly, the late 19th century Scottish historian David McRishty makes a rather 
matter of a fact statement about the presence of Moors in North America. While discussing the presence of various people darkening or blackening their faces, McRisty writes, many brown-skinned races have blackened their faces artificially, e.g. certain Fijians of the present day and the Moors of North America in the days of William Penn. Okay? Unfortunately, Mr. Richley doesn't explain why such brown-skinned Moors uh, in North America blackened their faces in the first place. But his reference is highly intriguing. And yes, it is. See, the term Moor, when you say uh, the United Washington, the Moor Nation Empire, as well here, over 100,000 years, you talk an ancient term, Moor. That means they were called, our people were calling ourselves Moors for a very, very, very long time since ancient times. The term Moor was used. That word was used in ancient times. However, you had a lot of our people who were referring to themselves, themselves to their tribal names. As I am a Washington Choctaw man, woman or child. I am a Amasi man. I am an Akitiwa man or woman or child. I am a Cheyenne girl. I am an Osage woman. I am a Chickasaw woman. I am a Nanako woman. I am a Lenny Lenape woman. And so on and so on and so on and so on. Some of them refer to their tribal names. But some did call themselves Moors. In ancient times, that's what you so-called scholars always talk about. Our people have been were one calling themselves Moors at that time. as a damn lie. Yes, they were. Many Muslims in Macumba and Shango, Yango cults in Brazil. These cults are not religious, or as Europeans assumed, these groups by nature are social, are social clubs. They are manifestations of the so-called black endeavors to maintain their unity within a multi-ethnic society. These cults are basically mechanisms to solidify the diverse African communities. And when you talk about the word cult, you're talking about culture. When you talk about the cult, you're talking about 
the hidden science of culture, of different cultures, okay? Culture. Or hidden culturistic science. All right? Okay, this idea of group of unity are coming before religious dogma is for more theologically similar to Sufism, Barabatism, and Moorish science. Temple interpretation of Islam, that is, to Sunni Orthodox Islam, but this issue will be discussed further in a later chapter. Quoting F. Reichert's 1966 essay in Afro-Asia. Those documents, Arabi, too, uh, the Winter says that the most West Indian Muslims of Maghrib descended from and came from the from Morocco and Tunisia, but then quoting, no source makes an an, 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 an triggering assertion. All of them were convicts, and they came to French Guyana with their families under precarious conditions. See, French uh, Guyana is here. And the Americas, for those who didn't know. Okay. What this says further, the most of them will not identify their heritage for fear of being treated as outcasts. Unfortunately, Winters doesn't attempt to explain and explain such alleged convict origins. But my guess is that the most of these persons descended from Moorish Muslims who were known as or to know to have been involved in privateering and piracy. The Hyro Yahya says that many Moroccan Sufis were angered by Sultan's al-Masur's military invasion of the Sudan. Not surprisingly, many took up arms in resisting the Sultan. The historical record clearly shows that Muslims fought one another throughout the world, I, I would assert that the Caribbean so simply another part of that unfortunate tendency or legacy. It says here, evidence cited by Wangara Winters and Van Sertima and others all illustrates the profound presence and impact of West African Muslim settlers in the Americas. Significantly, such Muslims came from the boundaries of the old Moorish Empire. Even I can better appreciate what a Moroccan-born friend, Fatima Alawi, told me back in the autumn of 1993. Fatima had stayed, or Fatima had stayed with a Cherokee friend on a Cherokee reservation in South Carolina. Let me read this again. Fatima had stayed with a Cherokee friend on a Cherokee reservation in South Carolina. She said that after having spoken with a Cherokee elder, he concluded their conversation with Asalam Ulaikum. Asalam Ulaikum. She said that the elder insisted that it was a Cherokee and not an Arabic phrase. 
he picked up. Ain't that interesting? Ain't that interesting? These are for you, Moors, always talking about that our, our people was actually Hebrew Israelites. Okay? I'm going to read this over again for you. All Hebrew Israelites always talking about that our people were Hebrew Israelites and nothing else more than that. Okay? This is for you. I'm going to read this over again. Matter of fact, I'm going to read the whole paragraph this time. Evidence cited by Wangara Winters, Van Sertima, and others also illustrate the profound presence and impact of West African Muslim settlers in the Americas. Significantly, such Muslims came from within the boundaries of, of the old Moorish Empire. Even I can better appreciate what a Moroccan-born friend, Fatima Alawi, told me back in the autumn of 1993. Fatima had stayed with a Cherokee friend on a Cherokee reservation in South Carolina. She said that after having spoken with a Cherokee elder, he concluded their conversations with Asalam Alaikum. She said that the elder insisted that it was a Cherokee and not an Arabic phrase he picked up. Asalam Alaikum meaning, peace on to you. That's what it means. So it shows you we have a long root. Islam has a long root in the history here in the Americas, in the Almorocks. A long root history here. Sultan Muhammad III established himself as the most commercial city of the coast, Safi, and became the protector of born Jewish and Christian merchants. He acquainted himself with European affairs and maintained very close contacts with the European merchants, consuls, and a great number of Christian renegades employed in his service. The treaties which were established between Moorish powers under Muhammad III and the Christian powers of Europe were intended to establish peace, protect navigation, and better organize the system and maritime trade. In spite of the, of the close trading arrangements made between the European and Moorish powers, City Muhammad organized separate commercial cities and terms for European traders as to prevent as much westernization of the social and religious value of the Moorish Muslim public as possible. Place the Magador, the Arbado, and Fidela, which are today were such places the majority of the middlemen in, those, in these places, towns, were Moroccan Jews, 
supportive. In spite of Sidi Muhammad's efforts, these areas, areas became centers of cultural exchange between different nationalities as well as different religious views. The reality of growing European naval supremacy steadily diminished the political power and autonomy of Moorish imperial authority. The Moroccan sultan clearly understood that he needed to address these imbalances. The naval superiority of Christian powers such as Spain had actually been made evident in the 16th century. Christian Europe's emphasis upon developing her navies had made it difficult for Moroccan corvairs to control Africa's coastal waters. Moorish warships They had Moorish warships increasingly ineffective against European enemy vessels. See, this happened when the European powers becoming stronger. And when you talk about Morocco, talk about Morocco or the Moroccan Kingdom in Northwest Africa, no, you're not. You're talking about the Moroccan Empire here. In America, because the Morocco is uh, the Al Morocco is another ancient name for America, not Amerigo Vespucius. When you talk about the Moroccan Empire here, you listen to the uh, to them come uh, giving homage and celebrations to the Moroccan Treaty between Morocco and the United States. You know, you see it on on YouTube a lot of times with Hillary Clinton and Barack, uh, 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 ex-president Barack Obama. When I asked you before in previous uh, First World Order blog talk shows, who did you think they were talking about? Who did you think they were talking about when they said Morocco has uh was the first country and nation to recognize the United States as a country or a nation. Although the United States at that time was still a company, haven't turned to a corporation as of, as of that as of that time yet. But at the time, who were they talking about? Because the Moroccan Kingdom over there in Northwest Africa did not exist at the time. So who were they talking about? The Moroccan kingdom over there in Northwest Africa did not, uh, uh, was not recognized or did not become a nation state until 1956. Check it out, your history. Read, study, do your research. You don't believe me? You say I'm lying? Do your research. So who was that Morocco who they, who they were talking about? Said Moroccans been pioneers in this country since the very beginning. This was Hillary Clinton uh, Hillary Hillary Clinton's statements. This was her statement. So who was she talking about? 
they were the pioneers in this country from the beginning. Well, they were pioneers long before, hundreds of thousands of years before Hillary Clinton. Before that, we all know that. But what she was talking about from the beginning, one uh, started calling itself the United States. So at that time, Moroccans? Come on, think about it. Do the math. Who was she talking about? Now here we come here. Says here. The Jackson quote, from Jackson's quote, we see the great importance which European nations attached to Morocco and her imperial dominions. Morocco was seen as the doorway to the vast resources of Africa. Africa. Consequently, it was not surprising to find her being by Britain nor Britain's rebellions various son, the United States. Hear what he hear what he said? As Britain's rebellious son, the United States, which is a British corporation. But we are but those of us that already know and those that's already know also Africa, this is Africa. All this was Africa before the Great Drift. But they said that Africans came here to inhabit the Americas, but it's also said that we were here before the first African. Okay, let me read along here. It was during the reign of Morocco's imperial Sultan Mohammed III. Sultan in seventeen fifty seven to seventeen ninety that the United States was born, he brought Morocco greatest political stability and international prestige. Piracy against European powers declined under his rule. The Sultan also used his power to establish an alliance with the US diplomatic historian J. C. Hurwitz informs us that the Morocco recognized U.S. independence and, and sought diplomatic relationships shortly after Britain's after Britain was defeated by continental troops in 1781. But Luella Hall asserts that Moorish imperial recognition of an independent U.S. actually came much earlier in 1778. Moroccan support was actually needed by a fledgling U.S. whose citizenry and merchant ships were no longer under the protection of the British Navy. The U.S. had also sought naval protection and assistance from friendly European nations like her ally France, but commercial competition significantly compromised French interests in assisting U.S. merchant ships. In short, both French 
merchants did not want U.S. merchant ships fly, flying under the protection of the French flag. Shortly after her independence in 1783, the USA, abbreviation, the USA, so it is a corporation, okay, the USA failed to pay the necessary fees and taxes to Morocco for use of her waters. Here with it now, now, stop right here. Why would you have to pay taxes or anything to Morocco for the use of American waters? Don't that tell you that Morocco, the Morocco is here? They will have you to believe in history books that the European was crossing across the Atlantic bringing their slaves from the British Isles, which were Europeans, all over Europe, bringing them from the British Isles and not being molested in any way, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, but that is not true. That is far from the truth. They have to pay us tribute payments that to operate these waters over here, and sometimes they will raid their ships anyway. Common sense will tell you why would you have to pay Morocco? What would you, what would you have to pay over in this land? Have to pay Morocco for her use of her waters. The U.S. The U.S. also failed to. The U.S. also failed. So also failed to answer Moorish emissaries. And the Moroccan the Moroccans responded by detaining a U.S. a U.S. I mean detaining U.S. ships in 1784. This immediately got American attention. Consequently, the U.S. government paid the pills and taxes and formally made this treaty of peace and friendship and ship signals the United States and Morocco. On June 28th and July 15th, 1786, it was drawn up in the Moroccan under the Honorable Thomas Barclay, the U.S. agent to the Moroccan court. Article 21 of the treaty between the U.S. and Morocco illustrates one of the benefits which Moors and U.S. citizens were granted by virtue of the already treaty it stated, if a, US, if a U.S. citizen of the United States, meaning of the corporation, I want you to understand what they're saying here. They're not talking about the Morocco in Africa. They're talking about the Morocco here, our Morocco here, the Moroccan kingdom, not I mean the Moroccan empire. This is the Moroccan empire, not the Moroccan kingdom in Africa. <coughs> The Moroccan Kingdom in Africa was not established or wasn't recognized as a nation or a country until 1956. So they couldn't have been talking about the Morocco over there in Northwest Africa. Listen to, listen to this real good. 
I'm going to read this over again here. The Article 21 of the Treaty of between the U.S. and Morocco illustrate, illustrates one of the benefits which Moors and U.S. citizens Moors and U.S. citizens are granted by virtue of the treaty. It stated, if a citizen of the United States should kill or wound a Moor, or on the contrary, if a Moor should kill or wound a citizen of the United States. The law of the country shall take place and equal justice shall be rendered. But those of us that know that the Treaty of Peace and Friendship has not, has not, has not been renewed, it uh, ended in, in the year 2004. So, um, the Europeans in this country have to leave. But those of us want to call ourselves want to take more realistic approach, saying the Europeans ain't going nowhere. So if they ain't going nowhere, therefore they must become second class citizens to us. Okay? You listen to me real good here. It says here, in short, U.S. citizens, listen, listen real good. In short, U.S. citizens in Moorish dominions were to be under the protection and jurisdiction of imperial Moorish authorities and recognize Moors in U.S. territories were to be under the protection of the jurisdiction of the U.S. federal government. The treaty was to continue in full force for 50 years. But then they were renewing the contract or the treaty every 50 years, which has been the longest standing treaty in the world, believe it or not. You want to thank real good people that uh, the U.S. and Morocco, they keep talking about the U.S. and Morocco. They never say the United States of America and Morocco. They always say the U.S. and Morocco. They talk about the United States Corporation and America. Because the U.S. is a foreign-owned corporation. 40% by the British Crown of England and 60% by the Vatican in Rome, Italy. Okay. Let me go along here. And Article 12 stated that Morocco agreed not to interfere with any fugitive slaves on board U.S. vessels nor require any payment from them in Moroccan ports. Here, well, what they're talking about in American ports, here lies the proverbial deal with the devil as Moorish authorities allowed the continuation of African enslavement. Again, however, it must be remembered that even Europeans were victims 
of the trade during that time. Now, what did I tell you earlier in the show? What did I tell you? That European people or so-called white people were the first slaves that entered into the American continent. They were the very first. And they they brought them over by the thousands, the hundreds of thousands. This was done under the British crown of England. This was their system of the Atlantic slave trade. The indigenous people here, uh, that they were enslaved, were shipped over to Europe and Africa, not the other way around. I want to make this clear. Okay. Africa's Moorish authorities typically saw the trade as nothing more than the continuation of centuries-old custom. Besides, imperial Moorish authorities also understood that the, that recognized Moorish subjects were not legally subject to enslavement, only fugitives, POWs, or prisoners of war, non-subjects, and criminals were legally susceptible to sell and the trade. This is what was going on. See, a lot of people keep on thinking that they're talking about the Morocco. There wasn't no Morocco in Africa at that time. Now getting it now? I hope so. Let's, let's go into the book uh, Africa and the Discovery of America by Leo Weiner. It's Africa and the Discovery of America. You should have, the, have this book in your library also, Morris. The name of the called Africa and the Discovery of America by Leo Weiner. Spell L-E-O, first name, last name, spelled W-I-E-N-E-R. First name spelled L-E-O, last name spelled W-I-E-N-E-R. Okay. 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 Now it says here. Hold up. Lost that page. Oh yeah. 
Okay. Okay, it says here. Sorry, it takes so long. It says here, tobacco of the Moors. That it would fit the different tribal nations here in the Americas. Says says here. Says here. There is no evidence that the tobacco plant was known in Europe before its importation. So if you live later than Nicoliana Rustica was described by Donosius, oh, I can't pronounce his name, and some kind of henbane by Bartholius and others. In 1586, it was given to Ethel and other merchants of European, or call themselves merchants of European tobacco. Said so here, moreover, this is the real name in the Sudan, the Fazan and Tripoli in Barbary. It is called Tabia. That was the word for tobacco at that time. I have read a a cassette or a poem composed by Bagridi or the descendant of the Caliph Abu Bakr to prove that smoking is no sin. These verses, I think, date from the middle of the 19th century of the Hijira. That's during the uh, Muslim calendar year. Not the regular 19th century uh, we'll be talking about, okay? Here are a few of them. All powerful God has made a plant to to grow in our fields, in which the true name is Tabia, uh, Tabiha, instead of tobacco. And anyone in this in his ignorance maintain that this plant is forbidden, ask him to prove his assertion. But by, by what verse in the Quran can he prove it? Uh-oh, he's challenged the Quran. Okay. But it says here that tobacco was introduced in this country through, by the way, via the Moors. But this is a book, I mean, this chapter is titled Tobacco of the Moors. Okay? Tobacco was not organic to any part of the Americas, anywhere else. Because they always use the word Negro and Moor interchangeably. Well, they're getting ready to cut me. I guess I've been on too long. Let me go ahead. Let me go on anyway. Get some, get some in here. One sees that cassettes made by boars, which are perfect in beauty. The Negroes of these regions are the most skillful makers of cassettes. See, see how they change? How they interchange the name Negroes and Moors? So, anyway, they're getting ready to cut me off. So, I wish I had more time to talk to you tonight. And I hope a lot of you, uh, I hope I didn't step on a lot of toes. If I did, I didn't mean to. But when my toes, uh, my people's toes get step, stepped on, I must strike back. 
you know, but I'm not sorry for telling the truth thing I'm not sorry about. So I want a lot of you to think of what I just told you tonight, okay, about who's indigenous to this land and who's not. Until then, until next time, I say to you, I hawate washita east. That means may my spirit and your spirit spring forth with the jaguar. Ishla Fahulan Dakunda. How is your spirit family? Bawasamat Dakunda Peace Family. Bawasamatsu. Goodbye. Peace. I'm out. <laughs>